Knock, knock. Who's there? Interrupting Sarah. Interrupting Sarah. Hi. Oh, welcome, Sarah. Welcome to The Butcheler. Thank you. Hi, Amelia. (laughs) And I, Olive. Unpack, uh, explain, talk about, play games about, and explore the latest episodes of Bachelor Nation. Today we are joined by a friend of the pod, Sarah. You might even call her our fairy pod mother. I'm sorry, I stole your joke. You really did, but it's okay. <laughs> so today we're talking about Matt James's third episode. It feels like it's been longer. A lot of things feel like they've been longer. <laughs> so uh, shall we begin with our recap? Yeah, let's dive in. I'm heated. I have feelings. Oh, well, we begin with this uh, this donkey scene because The Bachelor is doing this new thing where every episode has this fun little sneak preview. And the first time they did it, what did, what was it the first time they did it? It was, it was the vibrator. Yeah, and I feel like that made sense because it was this jarring, weird thing that happened this time. And then the second time was Sarah fainting. Yes, yeah, Sarah Trot fainting. And so now it's this date with Serena in which a donkey shows up and it just felt like that was not necessary. Like they really pushed this like sneak preview thing too far. So I started off the episode in a grumpy mood. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, it was like last episode we were like they're trying to make us a cliffhanger even though it isn't. Mm -hmm. And this episode it was just like a weird outtake. So I don't quite understand the intention behind starting every episode out this way. It felt like with this episode that they were trying to do with the beginning that they have done for a while now and successfully with the ending where it's more outtakes. Um, but I agree. I, I just felt like the beginning, it just felt like I was watching the wrong episode. Like it's very jarring, especially I felt like that in the previous episode as well with Sarah Trot fainting. I just felt like I was thrown right in and I had no context and it just made me more alarmed than nothing else to be like, oh, I'm in the wrong episode. Like I walked in on the the editors uh, in the room creating the episode and they're naked and I'm just like, oh, I shouldn't be here, you know? But, Is that your erotica to share with us? Yes, that's that's my erotica. That's, that's it. Close the book. More to come later. Well, speaking of Sarah fainting and over-dramatizing that, we then open up for real with Sarah being completely fine. Uh, She just got a little lightheaded or stressed. And Queen Victoria is really upset about it. She says she would never faint for attention. The rose ceremony continues on. I wrote down Queen V reigns victorious because we had left off on this kind of cliffhanger where it seemed like, like, well, we were in the middle of a rose ceremony. We didn't know who was going to go home. We ended on this cliffhanger and we weren't sure if he was going to send home Marilyn and Queen Victoria who had been fighting or just send home one of them. And it seemed like he was probably going to send home Queen V and keep Marilyn, especially since he had given Marilyn an orchid, but an orchid is not a rose. So Marilyn ends up getting sent home. An orchid is not a rose. That's deep. Yeah, that's my... 
biology degree going to work. I just wanted to also um, pose the question as, as for our listeners out there, we are recording this on Inauguration Day, um, which got me to thinking, is Victoria secretly Trump in a skin suit? Um, because right as the road ceremony is happening, she does this whole word association um, activity with the producers where she, and I wrote this down, she goes, Marilyn, manipulative, toxicity, gestures, queens, Victoria, positivity, realness, Matt's heart. And it just reminded me so much of our previous president of the United States, um, Donald Trump, um, and what he would do in front of cameras as well. Um, So I just wanted to pose that um, to y'all. Is Victoria secretly Donald Trump? So someone didn't listen to last episode. No, I'm, I'm continuing to support this theory is the thing because word association is totally a Donald Trump calling card. Okay. Well, we, we've been saying that Q, the Q and QAnon stands for Queen and Queen Victoria is QAnon. Yes. So, all right. It's canon now. Um, Queen Victoria is QAnon and the word association is just the nail in the coffin. Yeah. She's in cahoots. Uh, my only note for this, like for the first half of the episode really, was Aries faints dramatically, distracting horny Sagittarius from a pressing task because Sarah mm-hmm. Trot is an Aries. Is Queen V a Sagittarius? No, Matt's the horny Sagittarius. Oh. Uh, <laughs> what is Victoria's sign? I need to find out. Oh, that's a good question. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and call it while you look it up. I'm feeling, I'm feeling Leo. January 7th. Capricorn? She's a cap. That was going to be my third guess. And I know you think I'm just saying that, but it's true. Yeah. I mean, if you were lying, you'd probably say my second guess. Well, I made two guesses. Oh, wait, what were your two guesses? Uh, Leo and Gemini. So at first I was thinking... Like Gemini for the sort of like argumentative not stoppingness, or Leo for the sheer vanity. Um, but then I thought about it and I was like, she seems very committed to the bit and very stubborn about not letting go of the bit. So she could be a Capricorn. And yeah, I think that's a fair assessment of Capricorns as our Capricorn representative. I will say, sticking to the bit stubbornly is a Capricorn tendency. I have some planets in Capricorn, I forget which ones. So I concur <laughs> up next we have our first group date ah uh, yes our first and only group date because the other group date was just everyone bully sarah <laughs> yes <laughs> this date opens up with chris harrison's book which who knew he had written this book this erotica book i um, knew because i'm a sucker and i watched the goat episodes and at every goat episode, it would like cut to him like at a desk with the book like perched on the desk. That's hilarious. I did not know this. Um, I wrote down erotica date. I don't even know what to say. I don't even know what to say. At this point, I almost left. Like we were watching it together, um, like virtually, and I almost just left. I couldn't do it. Why? It hurt my body. Like, I was physically uncomfortable. I felt like I, you know that feeling when you, like, really have to fart but can't? 
I felt like that, but emotionally. Well, now's your time. Let out your emotional farts. I just, it was so, okay. Here's, I'm going to jump way the fuck ahead. What really grinds my gears is that at the end of this episode, Sarah, what are you eating? Is that a pickle? (laughs) A pickled green bean. Oh, I'm so jealous. I want one. Listeners, Sarah just pulled out a jar (laughs) labeled extreme bean and just started eating extreme beans while we are recording. Sponsor us, the extreme bean, please. I didn't have an afternoon snack and now I'm hungry. So I just wanted to have a snack while I'm muted on this podcast. And I'm sorry, it's distracting. It's okay. Okay, so the thing that really just boils my barnacles about this episode is that you cut to the end and you have these new women coming in and like one of them, there is like a rumor that she's an escort. And like one of the people, the one who looks like Hannah B, Anna, is saying like, oh, like there's rumors that she like consorts with men for money or something weird. And I'm just like, bro, like a bunch of you are on this group date, like reading pretty explicit erotica, like with the understanding that the better you do at this group date, like the more likely you are to stay on the show and like get Instagram followers and get some sponsorships. And then in the next episode, you're going to be acting like someone who does sex work is like a fucking pariah. Like the cognitive dissonance is just like bonkers and I do not like it. And that is yeah. my rant. There's a lot of double standards. There's, I mean, I think one of the reasons I find this show so fascinating is that it really displays this like moral code of how like women are supposed to be in a way that makes absolutely no sense and leaves us in all of these chaotic, nonsensical situations like where you're like, there's a constant pitting of people against each other. There's, it's unclear at any point, like, who's the hero and who's the villain. Like, I'm also getting ahead of myself, but I think this episode kind of reshifted our framework of who's the hero and who's the villain. Um, And I think that especially obvious is the way this show deals with sex double standards and, like, slut-shaming versus prude-shaming. And it's all just really out there and apparent in our faces of how little sense these ideas make. So yeah, it's like not even cognitive dissonance as much as just like a weird double standard where you have to be a certain amount of like promiscuous and sexy in order to succeed. But at the same time, if you are too sexy, then you are a villain. Yeah. So it's not cognitive dissonance because the dissonance isn't in your head. It's in the situation. Sure. And this is like kind of a side note. I also just wanted to say that it seemed like going the extra profane route was definitely the way to go. Because then even if you're saying very unsexy things, even if you're saying like, and then I slobbered over his erect penis with my mouth hole, it's still bleeped out. So like on TV, it looks like you're just like, spitting fire but we still know that someone said and my groin fluttered (sighs) yes beautiful and also i just want to point out that if any listeners out there are fans of the book lovers social media goodreads 
I highly recommend you going to check out the reviews of Chris Harrison's book on Goodreads because it is such polar opposite reviews. There are people who hate the book and rate it one star. And there are people who rate it five stars and it's like, this is the best thing I've ever read. So highly recommend that read. I'm feeling an Instagram story series for the Bushler Pod Instagram. Follow us, by the way. It's my only source of joy in these horrible times. Can I read to you guys some of my favorite comments on the perfect letter? Please. Yes, but could I also add something back to the whole is Victoria Trump theory? Yes, as well. Please. Yeah. And if Victoria isn't Trump in a skin suit or isn't QAnon, I have an alternative theory that Victoria is actually a producer. Ooh, why not? Why not both? Mm. I mean, yes, definitely. Would it make sense for QAnon to be a Bachelor producer? I would love to live in a world where that's true. Yes. So, yes, I support that. I think it makes sense just given that the entire Trump presidency is just one big reality TV show getting too close to home and, you know, actually resulting in the deaths of millions of people. But I think that given that reality is a spinoff of The Apprentice, it makes sense that a spinoff of the presidential cabinet would be The Bachelor. It also just in COVID terms, it makes sense, like double cast him. Need one more lady? Just cast a producer. She's there already. She's in the bubble. It's true. I just wanted to also um, quickly call out my evidence. Oh, um, shit. Which is that, and this might go totally too far into the episode, but just like talking about, or just the way that Victoria is around the other girls and how she is so willing to be the villain and so willing to stir the pot that she doesn't even think about it. It just comes out of her mouth. And also in the second episode when none of the girls are talking to her and so she's venting to a producer, it would make sense if she already knows all the producers because she herself is a producer. So anyways. Mm. Also, I just want to say I'm on her website and... It's just, it just feels like we're seeing a different Victoria on the show than on the website. Like on the show, she is not polished and she like physically, she's just showing a lot different than these photo shoots that are on her website. And I just feel like that would feed more into the producer's narrative of she's just trying to remain unnoticed even though she's actually like incredibly beautiful and everyone's like talking shit about her on the internet, about her bra strap being out and and her skin routine, like being bad and her acne showing through her makeup. She's actually so incredibly beautiful. She's just not, I don't know. She just just, looks bad on this show. Like she is beautiful and she does look bad. Yeah. And I, I just think that that is only further evidence that she's a producer and she's not trying to get Matt's, heart she's just trying to like fly under the radar and um stir up drama among the contestants even if she's not a producer it would make sense if she's being paid to be there or yeah she's a plant in some way like she's she's probably not there to find love so much as to stir up drama okay but what kind of plant would you say that she's like a succulent 
I would say, well, she's definitely not an orchid. Um, <laughs> she's probably a snapdragon. I support that. Okay, so where were we? Um, I believe I was about to dramatically read a review of The Perfect Letter by Chris yes. Harrison. Can you read it as though you are reading erotica? I'll try my best. <laughs> While I'd expected little by way of plot originality from Harrison, I had hoped against all odds that he might be a decent writer or have hired one. I wondered whether years of hearing identical-looking people spout identical-sounding platitudes at each other on camera might have instilled in Harrison a wariness of cliché. No. The perfect letter is 300 pages of clichés. It is a novel that includes dialogue like, I promise I'm real if you are, and phrases like, they were free to pursue the path that their hearts and their bodies chose for them. At one point, specifically, he might have been in physical prison, but Lee had lived in a prison of her own making, unable and unwilling to grant herself parole. I rolled my eyes so hard, it hurt. Damn, if my kink was mean editors, I would be extremely, uh, what's the word? Turned on? There's a different word, but sure, turned on right now. <laughs> I feel like I have to read a positive one to balance the um, karma. Aroused. That was the word I was trying to think of. <laughs> wow. I didn't expect to like this book as much as I did. I was riveted from the first moment I picked it up until it's finished. It wasn't your basic, typical romance story. It had twists and turns and mysteries and love and personal growth. There were so many nuggets in there that even helped me in my own life. Kernels of truth that you don't ever hear in normal, everyday life. But she didn't feel like you were learning. You felt like you were there, part of the action, walking around with the characters, feeling what they were feeling, experiencing what they were experiencing. Masterful. Wow, there were so many little turtles in that book. For context, listeners, I own a turtle named Nugget. So when I hear a phrase like, it was full of nuggets, I'm thinking it's full of tiny turtles. Speaking of Nugget, I'm just really sad that you named that turtle before this season, or you could have had a turtle named Matt James. I would never have a turtle named Matt James. We'll get there because I just, I don't really like Matt James. Okay. Anyways, um, so the erotica date happens and then there's a cocktail party afterwards in which drama ensues. I have one more note before we get to the cocktail party. Okay. I also have a theory that the Bachelor franchise will never go back to having regular audiences on their group dates because it causes way too much trauma. And it's too good of TV to have the contestants on the group date perform in front of the rest of the house. We saw this playing out perfectly in Tasha's season with um, the wrestling. Like it just gets really intense really fast and I think that that is great tv to a certain extent but also psychological warfare on the contestants in another sense so 
I don't know how I personally feel about it, but I just don't see the producers going back and inviting all these strangers in to watch the group dates because things are fine as is. Yeah, I mean, or both. We could have an audience and have people who are not on the date watching the date. But I totally agree. I mean, Noah's whole drama last season was because he jumped the fence at the... Um, the group date. Yeah, we did see a little bit of that in this episode where um, Sarah, I guess, yeah, Sarah was freaking out because she was like, it's so intimate, which is insane because it was not intimate. No, it was the opposite of intimate. Outtimate? Yes. (laughs) Um, But that was just enough psychological warfare on Sarah to lead her to spiral and interrupt the cocktail party. Um, She comes in and asks for a few minutes of Matt James's time. And in that time, she just kind of says that she's not sure if she wants to stay or not. I just don't understand why she could never waited to go to his door later that night. Again, like we saw with Tasha season, like I, I, And also at the same time, I feel like the other contestants would have been not nicer to her, but just not as willing to think that she had ulterior motives if she hadn't just fainted. I think the two happening back to back was not, was just not going to be great for her regardless of what happened. Yeah, and it's fucking week three. Yeah, both of those things are true and the reasons why the rest of the girls got so upset at her. Because it's like, it was just unnecessary. Um, There was no actual urgency to what she was saying. And it's too early for that. It's just way too early in the season to do any of that. Yeah, and then also at the same time, I don't know. I I as much as I applaud Sarah Trot for trying to go into a hostile room after she interrupted the date and apologized to them, I think that she was digging herself further into the hole because she was like, "Oh, I just wanted to let y'all know why I was here." And I appreciated Victoria in this moment, though again, like later in the episode, it gets really revolting. But in this moment, Victoria and the rest of the contestants fighting back and saying, you didn't tell us anything. You are just giving us meaningless words. Your apology, therefore, is meaningless. And we're still upset. Well, yeah, and it's not an apology if you started off with, I'm going to be the bigger person. <laughs> like, <laughs> Right. She didn't say it to... Uh, to really take responsibility so much as just to look like she was taking responsibility. Yeah, she was totally doing that for her own narrative, not at all for house unity and harmony and whatnot. Like, I feel like either really and truly she was only doing it because she was so in her head and she wasn't able to get out of her narrative to see how her actions were being um, viewed, or she's just not at all emotionally intelligent and just like this is how she is normally that she's just like a very like in her own actions in her own mind kind of person i am gonna play the sarah's advocate for a moment and i do think like because like if she's been like living at home and like being a caretaker with her dad for a while and it's been quarantine 
Like maybe she like hasn't been in any kind of social situation with women around her age in like over a year. Um, and that could explain like some of the just blatant like lack of social skills she's showing. I definitely want to echo that because I feel like, especially with the guys in the last season of The Bachelorette, we definitely saw that of people who just didn't really know how to socialize anymore. And I feel like with the last round of contestants, they were a lot more open and honest and forthcoming with saying, this has been really hard for me. Quarantine has been really hard for me. Um, et cetera, et cetera. Whereas with this season, because of just the mansion and the all the women and just the sheer throwing precaution to the wind with the pandemic, I feel like it was harder than for a contestant like Sarah, who might specifically be struggling because of the pandemic, to name that as the reason why she was struggling and more so keep on repeating um, empty answers like, this is really hard for me. We just had a perfect date, stuff like that, which I'm sure is true as well as all these other factors that she has not been able to name and explain. And the girls are therefore getting angry at her by not being able to talk about it. I just think everyone on the show needs to go to therapy or just like have like mandated sessions during the filming because I think a lot of their, I don't know, I just, I just feel like a lot of their issues are that they get so involved in their internal dialogue that they just start spiraling. Well, that is why we have confessionals to give them a place to kind of externalize a little bit. And the producers are kind of there. But yeah, I mean, I think that Sarah was spiraling. I think that also um, there's something off to me about the way she is, uh, the way she on on their date, she was like the the bad, her, her life hardship, because they all have to have this like classic hardship. We've talked about this before. They have to have this, this, defining hardship that makes them them and hers was that her dad is currently dying and it's really strange to me that she would come on this show while her dad is dying um it just seems like a bad timing situation um and it, it just seems like of course she's struggling with that but she also knew she would be struggling that when she decided to come and so it's so just strange to me that she's um, having this problem. And I guess I understand then why she might be struggling to talk about it because she doesn't know how to process the fact that she has made this kind of almost so obviously bad decision to come on the show while her father is dying where she can't contact her father or any of her family yeah it seems like the whole arc of this episode was just like sarah being like maybe i shouldn't be here while my father's dying in the middle of a pandemic and like everyone being like yes <laughs> yeah but also at the same time and it I don't know if this is totally callous. I, I really flipped sides, didn't I? Last night, I was like, nobody's being nice to her. And then today, I'm like, well, I just looked uh, her up on Instagram, and her dad is still alive, and it's been months. <laughs> Which she specifically in last night's episode said he has weeks 
but he's still alive today, January 20th. Um, So I also have an issue with how, like just with her willingness to get so specific. Like I felt like when she was having her one-on-one with Matt James, she was very composed and was specific without getting too specific. And then in this week's episode, all of a sudden she was like, it's weeks, even though it hasn't been. Um, so I don't know. I, I, and then there are all these rumors that she only went on the show for fame and that she was with a boyfriend during the filming and all this stuff. So I don't, I don't think we'll ever know the full story of Sarah Trot. One can only imagine. I'm sorry. I just really have to share this. It's been weighing on my, it's been weighing on my heart and I just need you guys to see my heart. So there's a Russian revolutionary figure named Leon Trotsky, um, who's like writing and thinking is like very influential in like the kind of Marxism that I'm involved in. And like people like refer to themselves as trots. And it's just really fucking me up because like, I was really hoping that she would pull through as like a hero and she hasn't. I just needed to share that with you. Thank you for sharing that. So up next, (laughs) we see Queen Victoria going to comfort um, Sarah Trot, which shows some maybe growth. And we're actually starting to see that Queen Victoria is friendly with the other contestants. And now that there's another enemy for everybody to kind of team up against, Queen Victoria is kind of becoming an ally to the rest of the uh, contestants on the show. And we see an exchange in which Queen V goes out to take care of her. And then up next is Serena's date, which to me, there's only one thing that stood out from this date. Only one thing. Only one thing. And I'm really upset about it. And I actually need you guys to help me process this. Yeah, we're here Um, for you. She hates turtles. Who hates turtles? How can a person hate turtles? Turtles are delightful. They're adorable. They're beautiful. Sometimes I just see a turtle in the wild. Sarah, friend of the pod, has seen this happen to me before, that I have seen a turtle and just started tearing up immediately upon seeing them. So the fact that Serena hates turtles and honestly the fact that Matt allows her to hate turtles and didn't say anything about how messed up that is really upset me. I would love for Matt or someone to come out and say, yeah, when we were filming this and Serena shed light on her hatred of turtles, I was the gopher who had to run out to the store and get a turtle bathing suit, which then Matt was wearing. You know what I mean? I'm just so curious to hear the story behind it. Like, did was it really a coincidence? Did someone go buy it? Did someone go run to Matt's room to grab it out of his dresser drawers? Like, I'm so confused and I want to hear more about the turtle bathing suit. I think he's like a known turtle lover. Like he has a pet turtle or something. But it doesn't answer the question, was that plan for that date? Mm. Yeah, like Amelia, you're a known turtle lover, but do you have a turtle print bathing suit? No, but I don't have any print bathing suit. And if I did have a printed (laughs) bathing suit, it would probably have turtles on it. 
But yeah, my only note for this section was Serena is canceled turtle emoji. (laughs) All right. You heard it here first, listeners. Serena is canceled. Um, Up next, there's a new date card and somebody decides to join the meeting late, which annoys everybody. And it leads to further alienation of Sarah Trott. Sarah um, makes kind of a big deal about it. Katie goes to talk to her and Sarah decides to go home. I don't even think we learned what the date card said. No, we still have no idea. Still don't know. I just also wanted to pull out a quote from Anna in this scene who, you know, I originally liked Anna. I'm not sure how I'm going to feel after next week's episode where she's so repulsed by an escort in their midst. Um, But there's this one quote from that scene that, that I just really enjoyed and put it, it just put Sarah's issues into perspective. Uh, The quote is, if I talked to Matt, every time I felt secure, no one else would have time with him, (laughs) which I just loved because it just continues to show Sarah to, to use Victoria's words, that it's not the Sarah show, right? That all of these other women are also insecure and are also fighting for time and are following certain rules that are, yes, constantly changing with each scenario and each episode. But that being said, they still, it just still escalated to a revolting level that didn't need to happen regardless of Sarah's actions and the group think, I just feel like it just, they, they all just became this, this storm around Sarah. And she knew that the only way out was to go somewhere else where it wasn't thundering and lightning, you know? I would like to also just snatch a Queen Victoria quote. Sarah doesn't need Matt. Sarah needs a Xanax. Oh my God. I do think, yeah. I mean, I actually think you bring up a good point that there's this kind of emotional dependency already emerging that is already creating a kind of toxic relationship in that Sarah, like every time she feels bad, she goes and runs to Matt and then he fully goes for it, falls into the trap, takes care of her. He kind of seems to have a thing about like taking care of people who need him, which is fine. It's fine to be like that sometimes, but I do think it's concerning after one date to already have that level of emotional dependency. Yeah. Sometimes I'm like, Matt is boring and I'm not that into him. And sometimes I'm like, Matt is me. I am Matt, but a foot and an inch shorter. I just also want to point out that I enjoy when people on the show make such an effort to establish like we're boyfriend and girlfriend with the lead. And Sarah has not even done that. It's just simply one date and then she spirals, Um, which I totally agree is, is worrisome because it's not like, it's not like Matt said any of the things that he said on other dates when he's like, I could imagine myself marrying someone like you. You know, he he didn't even go to that level with Sarah that he does with someone like with the donkey date this week, you know? So I don't know. I'm 
like I mentioned before to our viewers at home, our listeners at home, uh, when we watched the episode, I was definitely a Sarah sympathizer. But as I reflect on the episode, I am a sympathizer of both sides because I think that we're all flawed and it's important to remember that it's easy to get caught up in the show. Yes. I, I mean, everything I said a moment ago, I stand by, but I do also feel like I relate to that. Yeah, my only note for this part was, ugh, I hate it when reality TV is like reality. Several people have acted imperfectly and no one is the absolute villain. Which, I mean, there are certainly situations in real life where someone is the absolute villain in the wrong. But most, like, social drama situations are not that. They're like this. Want to play some games? Yeah. Um, Shall we start with our classic Rosebud Thorn? Let's do it. All right. Um, should we try to say them all at the same time, even though there's three of us? No. Okay. I needed that. Um, all right. So let's start with our roses. All right. So my rose, I'm giving it to Kit. No surprise. Because I just think she's adorable. And I just, she, we got to see some of this like sassy side of her. I think there's going to be some drama around her, but I have a feeling I'm going to be on her side. I might be digging myself into a pit with this one because who knows what anyone's going to do, but I just have a good feeling about her. My rose is going to Katie because I just really, really loved that she, just the way that she handled the Sarah Trot situation and especially when she said, I can't in good conscience let you go home if there's still more to explore. I don't want to be someone's second choice. And it just reminded me of how emotionally immature the women on Peter's season was and how that so much so led to Peter choosing a second choice and then the drama that ensued postseason, which was really not great to just see how much people from the franchise can treat each other like props in their own narratives. And so I just really enjoyed Katie. I'm not quite so much on the Katie for Bachelorette train yet, like some people on the internet are, but I'm in this moment, I'm really enjoying her. Yeah, my rose is also going to Katie. I felt a little bit, like at at part of the episode at the cocktail party when she was like, that was so empowering. I kind of had this like, oh boy, do you like also find Victoria's Secret fashion shows empowering? Like, is that your vibe? But like after how she handled stuff with Sarah, I was like, okay, no, you actually just like do find like solidarity among women empowering. And that's cool. And I'm sorry, I doubted you. Also, my second rose, uh, because I've listened to the pod before and I know that y'all split up roses, um, is going to the donkey because I really enjoyed that date as well. But more so, I'm sorry to say, I enjoyed the donkey um, more than Serena. Serena's fine. I'm just not really feeling it yet. I want to see more for her before she gets a rose from me. You know what? Yeah, I I feel I felt at that date like the donkey was the one, the only one that I was watching that date for. <laughs> Don Quixote. Wow. Um, shall we give our buds? So a bud is the person we are hoping to see more from, or excited to see more from, or just intrigued by. You first. I'll go first. 
Um, I'm going to give my bud to Victoria. Hmm. Okay. I, can I just gloat for a minute? You can, but I already know what you're going to say and I'm already annoyed. (laughs) Okay. Well, what am I going to say? Say it for me. If you know what I'm going to say. All right, Olive, you're going to say that you, um, want to be redeemed for the fact that you, um, gave Victoria your bud, I believe, Rose or bud. Episode one. Um, and maybe we gave you kind of a hard time for doing that, except at the same time, you out of your own will rescinded it of your own volition. Nobody made you do that. Um, well, Victoria so made it both ways. Yes. Okay. Here's what I'm saying. Night one, I was like, Victoria has potential. She's going to be good TV. Week two, I was like, I'm sick of this. But now I realize that maybe that was just some like Victoria heavy editing week two. And my initial reaction was right. She is good TV. She's a fun villain. I like her. Yeah. So I feel, what's the word? I can't think of words today. Vindicated? Yeah. Vindicated, exonerated. I was going to say adulterated. And then I was like, oh. that's not what that means. Um. So who is your bud going to, Victoria? Okay. Uh, my bud goes to... Um, Serena C, the one who didn't get the date, um, for this really astute bit of very Marxist analysis where she says, time is a commodity here. Sarah is like a billionaire right now and we're all sitting here with a dollar. So I'm giving Serena C my bud for the ho- in the hopes of more direct quotes from wage labor and capital. I completely agree. Sarah, friend of the pod. Yeah, um, I think that my bud is going to Chris Harrison, um, just because I feel like we've lost a lot of Chris Harrison personality this season, as opposed to the the previous episode where he he just had all these like funny bits that he would do. Um, and I miss that and I want more of that. And so I'm giving him my bud just in case that comes back and it's a beginning again. Oh, to be fair, we did have a Chris Harrison themed group date with Chris Harrison sponsored erotica. That was, yeah, but that's, that's like Chris Harrison, like the, the host of a two decade long show on the air. That wasn't Chris Harrison, like being like goofily entertaining a guy who accidentally knocked on his door. That's not Chris Harrison uh, eating crab legs during a group date and being a part of the group date in like a humorous way. I miss it. I miss last spring or was it summer? I miss 2020 Chris Harrison is all I'm saying. That was like 2020 fall. That was very recent. No, the the filming of this episode was 2020 fall. Oh, you're oh, but, okay. Okay, got it. You're a glutton for punishment. All right, our thorns. Speaking <laughs> of thorns, um, I think y'all know who mine is going to. Serena P. Uh, mine's going to Chris Harrison for the exact opposite of everything Sarah just said. <laughs> Rough. Um, um, my form is going to producers for shoving yet more women into the mansion during a pandemic in the next episode. So my thorn is in advance of the next episode. 
Completely agreed. Actually, yeah, my thorn is going also to all the people who shame sex workers in the previews, but I can't name those people. So plenty of thorns to go around. Let's play some games. So my first game idea uh, is inspired by something that Sarah, friend of the pod, said earlier um, about this Trump style word association. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to say someone's name and I want you to, you being Sarah, front of the pod, I want you to uh, just free associate some adjectives that go with that person. All right. So first up, I'm going to start us off with MJ. Ah, um, hair, beautiful. I want to be in a relationship with. (laughs) All right, Olive, you're up. And the person I'm giving you is Marilyn. Who? I mean, she went home, but she's still a person. Oh, oh, uh, the target of Victoria's bullying? Yeah. Uh, sad. That's my... You that's, got one word. <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Sad and like poorly, poorly colored dress. She was wearing a dress that was like the color of aluminum foil but the wrong side all right fair enough (laughs) is there a wrong side of aluminum foil (laughs) the less shiny side (laughs) i'm sorry that was really mean i'm sorry marilyn i uh it's okay we we never really liked her that much next up i'm gonna branch out it doesn't have to be from this season let's do some people we know a little bit better free associate with the name taisha um taisha warm I will also want to be in a relationship with and pool because I keep on thinking back to the season where she like did that scene where she was coming out of the pool and her boobs just look amazing in the swimming suit and I just yeah I just think of pools with her pools in the beach because of the bachelor in paradise too um but yeah just like warm like sun pool beach those are my words for her Nice. And Olive, I'm going to give you Claire. Broken up with Dale Moss, concussed, (laughs) bonked on the head, incredible breasts, dogs. Nice. (laughs) All right. Before we say anything, we regret. Did you you know that I um, majored in poetry at Bard College? (laughs) (laughs) all right so this next game um is based on the group date they went on with the erotica but instead of making you guys write erotica what i want you to do is tell a story about something you did today but i'm gonna bleep it out and make it sound dirty (laughs) (laughs) you stole this from the um the fake cliffhanger one i had last week True. We also never resolved our cliffhangers. No, we never did. You'll never know. I made a calzone. I made a smoothie. So yesterday evening, I was sitting on the with my boyfriend, watching. And we were eating. And it was getting really messy because of the, obviously. And I was trying really hard to eat all of the meat before they spilled out of my skin. 
But unfortunately, my boyfriend was not so lucky and spilled out of his and spilled all over the couch. And we had to throw the blanket in the washing machine. I'll never look at you the same way again. Olive, do you have one? Um, today I'm another smoothie. And this was an So first I got the the fridge and I stuck my hand in the cold like squirmy um like flaccid <laughs> they were all snuggled together and I put it in and then I took a big plump handful of and then I drank every last drop gross that was so disgusting I'm sorry guys it's okay. Um, I also will never look at you the same way again. Now I actually do have yeah. to go and teach children. All right. Um, before you go, one last note to leave us on. Um, there were a whole lot of animals in this episode. If you were turned into an animal, mm. what animal would you be? So there was the donkey. What else was there? Chickens, sheep, birds of many. I, I would like to be a nice chicken. Okay. Sarah? I'm, I'm good with being a, a sheep. Um, sheep, are, sheep are cool. And also, I think, wasn't there a sheep in the news recently who had evaded shearing for like five years and was just massive uh, with uh, sheep's, was it fur? Wool? Um, sheep, sheep wool, thank you. I was going to say sheep skin. I was like, that's too much. Um, yeah, so this sheep had like evaded shearing for five years and it's incredible. And I want to be that sheep. Beautiful. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us on this pod today. What about you? What would you be? Oh, <laughs> nice don- try. The donkey. donkey. I feel like it's obvious. That's why I forgot to say it. Um, all right. Thank you so much, Sarah, for joining us on this episode of the butcher. Um, we, it's been fun. Uh, hopefully we'll have you back sometime too. And thank you listeners and be well. Thank you, donkey. Mm -hmm.